Well, I hope you, uh, if you, if you miss a Sunday, um, you can always go to the SoundCloud and you grab a card. The cards are everywhere. You can get to the SoundCloud and uh, listen to uh, some of the music and, and the sermons. If you miss a Sunday, you can always go there and do that. So uh, I know we've got people listening all around the world now on that SoundCloud. That's a pretty amazing thing. Um, <clears throat> last Sunday, I talked about a lot about picking up the Bible, but not picking up the cross. And, um, and, uh, and we're kind of, kind of, not go there this week, but I, I had two sermons in my head last week, and, and this is that other sermon that I had in my head last week. So we're preaching it this week, and it's called Detours. Detours are dead ends. Uh, and what I want to show you from the scripture today is that uh, just about, there's, there's so many, the apostles and the, and the Old Testament, and, and, and so many people, and, and Israel as a, as a nation took detours. And in some of these detours, God took them on a detour. I mean, he took them on a detour. He took me on a detour. Uh, I wouldn't have been here at this church if I hadn't gone on a detour to get where God wanted me to go. And detours are not bad things. In fact, they can be wonderful, great blessings of God. But we can also go on detours or self-inflicted detours where we want to get away from God or, or, or we, th- we believe we know more than God and we'll go off on our own detour and they'll always end up in a dead end. And Satan's always there leading those detours. And we'll always end up in a dead end. And you're like, okay, I'm stopped. I, where am I going? And uh, uh, if you're blessed and by the grace of God, you'll head back to where God wants you to be. So we have these different types of detours in our lives. And that's what we're going to talk about this, today. And, and some of you may be right now in, in a dead end. I mean, you just don't know what to do in your life. Uh, it could be all kinds of issues going on and just... You're just at a dead end. You think, man, I, I am done. I just don't know what to do. But I'm telling you, God's with you in your detours. And we're going to start out today with Elijah. And uh, we're going to end up in Jeremiah and Joel and a little bit of a few other places. But Elijah was a man that uh, was a man of God. He was one of the great prophets. But yet, as this last song was sung about fear, Elijah had fear in his life. And he had so much fear that he went on a detour of fear, and he just took off running. He had left his servant behind, a, a person that could have maybe encouraged him to help him, be, help him through this, but instead he, he took off on a detour of fear. And he's going to end up, at the, they call it the mountain of God. It's Mount Hobart in the Bible. It's called the mountain of God. It's where Moses had gone up on the, on the mountain. But Elijah was going to end up in this mountain. We're just going to spend a few minutes, a few minutes here with Elijah, and we'll go over some of these verses with him. Uh, but he just, been a, he just ended up there at that mountain because of, he went on a detour, not of God, but yet you'll see that even when we're going on these rants in our life, that God is always with us. Amen? He doesn't leave us. He may let you run off into some detour that he doesn't want to be there with you or he doesn't want you to go on, but he will be there. He will be there. And these detours can last many years or they can last a, a, a few short moments. Unfortunately, like if a lot of you are like me, you've got hard heads. Uh, they last longer than they need to. But God is always there with us. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come before you this morning, Lord, I thank you for this message. I thank you how you've encouraged me through it and how you've opened my heart to, to understand that some of the places I've gone in my life and some of the things I've done in my life were necessary. And, and Father, that you were always with me. Lord, that... Uh, through the sickness and danger and, and, and self-inflicted pride and, and all the things that, that I've gone through and many other people have gone through, Lord, you never left my side. I just quit listening to you. Father, so I'm thankful that my heart was awoken by your grace and your mercy and your love. And Father, I took the right path back to the right road. And Lord, I thank you for this church from the bottom of my heart. I thank you for everybody in it, Lord. Lord, I thank you for the love they show me. And Lord, I, I thank you that I'm able to stand and talk every week about your word, about your truth, and about your love and how precious it is. Father, thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Okay. I wrote a few things down. I want to start there. Do you, everybody enjoy Impact Sunday? Do you guys like that? I, I kind of enjoy that. I wrote things down and I don't have it. I think I'll give it up. Give it to, anyway, it won't matter. Let's go. 
Detours that are of God lead back to his right road, and detours that are of self or Satan lead to dead ends. In 1 Kings here, it's going to read, and remember what I just told you about Elijah. Uh, a, a, a woman named Jezebel, which everybody has probably heard that name Jezebel. There's not too many children named Jezebel, and there's a reason for that. Um, if I had a little girl, she wouldn't be named Jezebel. Then he said, go out. And this is God. Uh, Elijah has ran off in fear and complete chaos within his own mind. That's another thing. When, when you're in chaos, God's not. Amen? He's not. He's just waiting you to, it's like, a, we're like little wind-up dolls that just go crazy and crazy and crazy. And, and, and sooner or later, we wind down so we can hear God. God's, God's not in your chaos. <laughs> He's just waiting for you to get your mind clear, to settle down so you can listen to him. And that's where Elijah is. And this is a, a wonderful, great man of God in the Old Testament. I mean, they don't get much bigger than, a, than Elijah and Moses. I mean, Moses had the same issues. He was on a detour for a long time, too. And then all of Israel will be on a 40-year detour. But here we're going to talk about Elijah. Then he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. So Elijah finally reached his dead end. He's come to the mountain of God. Whether he directed himself there or whether he just, that's where he ended up, we don't know. But that's where he ended up. And he says here, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind, an earthquake. Now, I often wonder why did the God, I mean, this man's already in fear, because that's why he's here. But yet, we got the mountain falling apart, an earthquake or something taking place. And this, I can say this man's in enough fear. Why did God do that to Elijah? I think it's to show him you can't live in chaos. You can't live this way. Nobody can. It's not good for you. It's not good for your family. It's not good. So God just kind of opens him up and says, this, is this what you want for the rest of your life to be like this? God's got a better plan for you. He's got a wonderful, wonderful plan for you and your family. Behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. So it was when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. And suddenly a voice came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Are, are, you, are, you, are you done with your detour? Are you, are you ready to listen? Is, is, is the batteries gone in your, in your body? Is it, are you ready to settle down with the chaos that's in your life and pay attention to what I want you to do for your life? Anybody been there? Say something. Give me something. In verse 14 it says, Then the Lord said to him what? Everybody say? Go. Go. Don't, don't stand around and, and give a, into a self-pity party because you've messed up for a while. Just go, and you'll read these verses. God had a direct plan for Elijah. He had, him thing, had things for him to do that were wonderful things. But Elijah had to get to his senses to go there. He had to get past the detours and go there. Anybody ran into a dead end? I know Rick Bullock out there, he's a truck driver. I know he knows all about those detours. Anybody go on the road and you see a detour and you... And I, you know, I'm guilty of this. And I get on the country roads. Now, this was before cell phones, okay? Where you could just punch in and, you know, all of a sudden you know exactly where you're going. Although you can get lost with those too. But, you know, I used to get on these back country roads and I was I have no idea where I am. I'd end up in a detour, a little bridge. would be out down there in Brown County somewhere. And you'd have to take a detour. And downtown, down there in Brown County and detours, they can really take a long time. You know, and not all the roads are paved down either. You know, you can drive through a gravel road and go through a creek and up the other side. I know I live there. I've been there, you know, and, and so I would take these detours, and the next thing you know, I am totally lost. And that's, that's how we get with God. We take these detours, thinking, well, we know it said detour, and then you see the detour sign, you say, well, I know a better way. <laughs> I know a better way. I know where this road here is going to take me. And the next thing you know, you're completely lost. And you've come to a dead end, you've got to stop and say, where in the world am I? I've got an eighth of a tank of gas. And, oh, just, just complete havoc over your life. 
Well, I can tell you something. You didn't pay attention to the road signs. <laughs> Amen? You didn't pay attention to the, to the road signs right in front of you, the Word of God. And that's why you're lost. That's why you're on a detour that, that is completely out of control. Because you left the road signs back somewhere in the distance. And now you're lost. And you've come to your dead end, which is right where God can work with you. Detours become great blessings as we find our way home. Amen? Now, when you get off that detour somewhere, next thing you know, you see a house or a building that's familiar, doesn't your heart go, oh, man, find a gas station now. <laughs> you know, that, that's the way we get. We, once we get off that, we're really like, oh, I can't believe that I did that. I'm never doing that again. But you do. Well, it's the same way with God and his, his wonderful word. We go off in our rants and, and get crazy sometimes. In Jeremiah 29, 13, this is a, a verse right after 29, 11, which, which is a, everybody should know that verse. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to proffer you with hope and a peace. This is right after that. And this is a, this, I got some cards I had made up. I think he made them for us. And I, got, I don't know how many, I don't have enough here for everybody, but I got quite a few. And th I, this, this one particular verse is because in, on my detours and in, in the areas of my life, if you go back to my uh, office, and it's been, there since the it's been there since day one, you'll find this verse on my light. It's, it's clipped up there on my light. And it's this verse, and it says, And you will seek me and find me. He says, Well, everybody seeks God and finds him. But, but see, when I'm, I'm, when I'm on that road that's a detour, and I have left the road signs, and I am lost, buddy, I need to seek God, and I need to find the way out. Amen? I've got to find the right path back to where God intended me to be. So I need to seek him all the time. It says, when you search for me, because that's what we do when we get lost, we start searching for a way out. So when you search for me with all your heart. So I've made up some cards. Bill, will you come here for a minute, please? And you can, you can throw it away. You can do whatever you want. But this is, this is a verse that's been with me for many, many years. And whenever I start to figure out that I'm on a detour, I, I probably uh, either a God detour or it doesn't matter. So I, I'm, one, I'm looking at this card and I'm praying and I'm trying to, would you, anybody that wants them, raise your hand, Bill will pass them out as I'm preaching. And you can just keep this verse in your mind. Now remember what I always tell you, it's not how much you know, but how much you love what you know. I'll continue to say that for, for, for the day I die. Because see, I'm telling you, if you if, even if you don't know the Bible, if you can just grab a hold of this and fall in love with it, and every time something comes up, you can refer back to that. It's going to help you through your life. Because see, and you will seek me and find me. And when am I going to seek God? When I need him, which is always. But when I'm on lost and in the, heading for the dead ends, I want to seek him more than ever. And when you search for me with all your heart. See, there's a difference here. Some people want to seek God. They want to search for God. But they're wanting to do it with their mind or, or because something's going on in your life, which is okay. But my goodness, you've got to get it down to the heart issue. Amen? You know how you get saved by God? Because the heart changes by God. Amen? God changes your heart. You accept him in your life. And you have a relationship with him, and he changes you. And this is what this is talking about. When you search with me with all your heart, not because of a, of a necessity, all oh, that can be the beginning of it, but if you'll fall in love with God and allow him to open up your heart and search that way. You'll find more than you ever imagined. You'll find more than the, the financial issue, or you'll find more than the marriage issue. You're going to find something much deeper, a love that you've never known. I'm going to get into the next few verses here, and it's, a, a, it's where I really want to get the meat of the sermon today. It's cut and paste Christianity as a detour heading to a fiery dead end due to hypocritical hearts. Now, we all know what cut and paste is. You know, it's that we get on the computer. And do, I'm, I, I'm not real good at that kind of stuff, but, 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 but Ray and Vicky, they are, and I can do a little bit of it. It's cut and paste. It's where, well, I don't like that particular, that particular word or phrase, so I'm going to cut that out and put my own in, and we'll send it out. So cut and paste Christianity is a detour heading to a fiery dead end. That's when you, you look at the Word of God, and you read it, but you don't like it. Well, I never knew it said that. I never really thought that whoa, 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 way before. Well, I'll just bypass that. We have, a, we have churches in a world full of that today. I read, uh, I saw this, uh, this 
this week, this is detours and dead ends. I saw this, I wish I had a way to stand them up. I saw this week uh, out in, I think it was Washington, Washington uh, State. Uh, you can't make this stuff up, you know what? You just can't. I saw this week out there that was a church, an older church, a hundred some year old church, and um, it was looking for a pastor. Well, it found two pastors. Uh, it had used to be a Southern Baptist church, and now it's an American Baptist church. It changed back in 2012. Because what the Southern Baptist doctrine didn't really fit in with where the church was going. So let's just cut and paste our doctrine to fit where we want to go. Well, they found a, two pastors. Well, remarkable to find two pastors. Isn't that great? There's one problem. It was two women. So I got nothing against women. I just don't believe they belong in the pulpit. And you, you can argue that with me. You can argue that with God. I don't mind them at all. Great. If they're preaching to women, absolutely. But they're not to have authority over men. It's just written down in the Word of God. And that's not my real big hang-up at all. In fact, I probably wouldn't even mention it. But the other one was they were lesbians. Oh, preacher, don't go there today. I'm, I'm going to do my best not to explode. We had about the 22-foot slide last week going down for baptisms, which is insanity. And I, I, you, It's insanity. I don't care what you think. It's insanity. That cross was not a playground. And this Bible is not something we can cut and paste, and just because we don't like it, we'll cut and paste it and make it fit our dimensions. You can't do that. You can do it, but try to be blessed by God. You try to do that. It is wrong. It is wrong. It is wrong. And we need to stand up and say, it is wrong. I'm not making friends. I'm trying to get people to heaven. It is wrong. I didn't say it. God said it. I'm just trying to relay it to you. It is wrong. Therefore, that is not a church. They're not preaching the same word of God because they're cut and pasting the word of God. They can't preach out of Romans. They can't preach Genesis out of Genesis 19. They can't preach all over the place because they have to cut and paste to make it fit the words. I'm not doing that. Amen? I'm not doing that. This church is not going to do that. It's just not. I am saved by grace and through faith. I am called to do it according to the word of God. You are too. Amen? If you're a Christian that's been cutting and pasting God's word, taking what you want and leaving out what you don't want, I'm telling you, you're in trouble in your heart with God. And you need to get that cleaned up. And you say, oh, preacher, how do you know that? Well, I'm going to show you something here in a minute. In Jeremiah 20, uh, 36, 23, it says, and it happened when Jedahite, I can't pronounce that, Jed, he do, I'm down, had read three or four columns that the king cut with the scribe's knife and cast it into the fire that was on the hearth. Let me go get a little rundown. Now, Jeremiah, God had came to Jeremiah, and he said, Jeremiah, write this down, and, and a, a, a scribe named Pry, uh, Brock wrote this down and took it to this king in Israel at the time, or Judah in the time. And this was right before the Babylon was going to come and destroy, take Judah and carry it away and destroy it. And that's where we're going to be at today. And this is right at that time, right before all that's going to happen. It's God always warning us. He's saying, you're about to go on a detour. You've been on a detour. You're getting ready to hit a dead end. And this dead end's going to take you straight to death. Now, you need to stop. You need to turn around and get back to the road that I sent you on, that I put you on. And this is what he says to us all the time. Stop, stop, stop. Go back, go back. And this is what this... This uh, letter is to this king, but yet the king wants to cut and paste the letter. He just take the knife, cut it up, throw it in the fire. Oh, God never wrote that. Just throw it in the fire. Just take your Bible, take the page, chapter Romans chapter 1, 2, just take it up, throw it in the fire. Like, God never wrote that. Man wrote that. But God wrote the rest of the Bible. He didn't write that part. What are you, crazy? You can't take one word out of the word of God. You can't remove one word or it's none of it any good. I heard somebody say, well, there's been a lot of copies of the Bible. Oh, come on, come and see me. We'll blow that one right out of, your, right out of you. Because there hadn't been a lot of copies of the Bible. 
we got one. Now, we've had different words because we don't speak the same language as that New King James and things like that, which I love the King New King James. Nothing wrong with that. It's wonderful, but we don't, we don't speak that way anymore. We've changed our, our uh, lingo. So we've changed not the Bible, but some of the words. We don't speak with yees and yos and these and thous a lot anymore. I haven't heard anybody speak like that in my whole life. But that's not the change. We didn't change the meaning of the Bible. It's not been changed. In Jeremiah 30, 42, 6 through 7, this is where we're going to really, the meat of the sermon today. This is, a, this is right after we just read 36, right after that. I want you to understand that these, these are God's people. These are God's people. I mean, he loves Israel. I mean, he loves Israel. He, he doesn't want any harm to come on Israel. He doesn't want any harm to, to happen to any of his church. But he will not abide by sin. Amen? What do you think you're in your detours and you're in your, 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 into the roads? And the, What do you think you're there for? It's because he will not let you abide by sin. He will not agree with it. He will not allow it at all. So he takes this wonderful holy people he pulled out of Egypt, which was another detour. They were in Egypt for 400 years. And they come out, and they go, and they go on another detour for the next 40 years because they couldn't get it right. So this is, we live after the cross. We live after the blood of Christ. How much more are we accountable than then? We've seen him face to face. He's been on earth. We're held to high accountability. That's why we must do it right. Satan infiltrates the church all the time. He makes things look good that are not good. He makes people go on detours that are not God detours. He destroys your family. The homosexual movement is placed in this world by Satan to destroy the family. You don't have to believe me, but it's the truth. You destroy the family in any culture, you destroy everything in that culture. And that's just one of his little tools that he uses. In Jeremiah 42, 6, here we got a group of people that call it the remnant. And they are, they, are, they are so much in fear because Babylon has come and they have taken them away. And Israel, Judah, and Jerusalem and Judah is just completely demolished. But yet there's some captains and some forceful men that are, and, and women and children left. They call, they call the remnant and they're left here. And they've done some battles and then they, they, they come to Jeremiah. And I can't read all the verses because of time, but they come to Jeremiah and I mean, they are crying out with their heart. And they're begging Jeremiah, seek the Lord on our behalf. Because see, back then, that's how you did it. You went to the prophet, and he seek the Lord, and he would come to you and give you the word of God. Now, when we had the printing press, the first thing that was written on the printing press was the Holy Bible. It's the most best-selling books ever since, and nothing compares to it. To this day, it's the most best-selling book of all times. It was the first book printed. We go to God's word. We go to the people that God's put in authority over us. We go to prayer. We look at the circumstances in our lives. And we see God working. But at this time, they went to the prophet. And that's what they're doing. They've gone to the prophet and they're just... They're in complete disarray, complete chaos. They're on a detour they cannot understand. But they want to go and they're going to beg him to go to God and get a word from God on what to do because they know if they return to Egypt, they know there's food and, and uh, medicines and, and a job, a place they can take their family and be safe until all this is, until all this is kind of passed over. They're thinking of their self so much that they're going to miss where God wants to take them. They're going to miss the greatest opportunity of their life because they can't get their mind off their self. And they've got it all planned out. They've got their whole detour planned out. So, but they're going, to, they're going to call on Jeremiah, and they're going to seek God, just like we, we read in 29.13. We're going to do that, 
Let's see what happens here. It says, whether it is pleasing or displeasing, we will obey the voice of the Lord our God to whom we send you. Those are letters, those are words written down, and they have meaning, right? They have an application, don't they? And you should be held accountable when you go to God with those words. Do you think God just looks at your words and says, oh, he don't really mean that. We won't say, no, it's okay if you don't mean it. No big deal. I understand you don't mean it. I got it. That's not the God I know. And that's what they're telling him. And that it may be well with us when we obey the voice of the Lord our God. And this goes on and on through different verses, but that it will be made well with us. So in other words, when they pay attention to the word of God by the prophet or the preacher or the teacher or Brooke or somebody up here singing when some song hits your heart or the circumstances in your life or prayer by the power of the Holy Spirit, when you, when you pay attention to that, you grab a hold of it and you do what it tells you to do. There's many times throughout my life through business and, and church and, and evangelism and other things I've done, teaching all things, that I had to preach things and say things and do things I didn't want to do. But yet, I have no choice. I do what God tells me to do. In my evangelism days, many times people would walk out on me. I got kind of used to it. They didn't want to hear me preaching the hard sermons that I preach. But they needed to sit still and listen. I wasn't preaching false, I was preaching truth. Verse 7, it says, And it happened after 10 days that the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. And I sent this out. If you guys, I send text messages and stuff out all week long. And if, if you want that, you're not getting it, you just let me give me your phone number and you'll, I'll make sure you get it. It's just a short little thing, every kind of like a little day devotion, whatever. It's after I've been praying for a couple hours. I send something out. So I looked at this and I sent this out this week. And I thought about, you know, 10 days. How come God didn't answer it immediately? Because they, were, they wanted to know. I mean, they wanted to know, like, what? Don't you want to know what God wants you to do right, right now? Come on, God, right now, right now. And I prayed around, thought about that. I, I think, you know, if, if sometimes when God makes us wait on an answer, we're paying attention more to God. And we'll think more over that answer that we get because he's allowed us to, to think about it, to pray more over it, and to accept the answer that he gives us. I believe it's called grace again. So it says, and it didn't happen after 10 days, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. We're going to skip to verse 20. And in verse 20, he, Jeremiah gives him the exact word of truth that God gave him, just like we give out today. And in verse 20, it says, for you were hypocrites in your hearts. Because when Jeremiah gave them the word, we'll read this in a little bit, but when Jeremiah gave them the word, they didn't want the word Jeremiah gave them. They had already had their minds made up. Going to God was just a formality. They were just wanting God to, to agree with them. That's where we're at in this world, in a lot of places, a lot of churches. You just want God to come along with you. Come on, God, you can agree with me, right? I'm, I'm a child of God. Come on, God, agree with me. And then God doesn't agree with you, and you say, wait a minute. Wait, I've been praying. I've been listening to you, God. Well, what God you been listening to? Satan can disguise himself really good. And if you're not lined up with the seven keys I gave you in the beginning of this year, with all those things, you better be careful of what God you're listening to because it's probably called a God of self. You proclaim and you believe what self wants to believe and you're trying to get God and drag him with you. And when he stands firm and says, I'm not going. I'm not going on that detour, and you have no business on that detour because it's going to end up in a fiery dead end. But our hard heads, and here it says, for you were hypocrites, where at? Where does they say you were hypocrites at? In your heart. You were hypocrites in your heart. I believe God. Oh, yeah. I believe every word of it. It's not that part. I'm not too sure about that other one either. We'll bypass that one for now. Come on, God. Stay real close, will you? Be my shadow. 
try to make a little light of it, but the problem is too many Christians live that way. I preached that last week about picking up the Bible and picking up the cross. It's almost the same sermon, just different ways to preach it. It calls us hypocrites because, again, our hearts are not right. In Jeremiah 29, 13, it talked about the heart. Search me with your heart. See there, for you were hypocrites in your what? Say it again. Hearts. Your hearts, which is your soul. Those, that soul that says, that's not right. The soul that says, oh, Lord, I, I love you, I worship you, I praise you. And the soul that says, I don't have time for you. I know, I know I'm supposed to spend time, but I don't have time for you. The soul that says, I'm not listening to that prophet anymore. The soul that says, that Bible, I'll cut and paste what I like, and we'll go with what we want. See, that's why I can look at, at, at lesbians that call themselves pastors, which they are not pastors. Just because you say something doesn't make it true. And my heart bleeds for them. It bleeds for that church because they're like this scripture reading, reading right now. They've decided to make God do what they want him to do. And it's not going to work out for them. For you were hypocrites in your hearts when you sent me to the Lord your God. So from that very first minute when they all were just bowing down and begging God to give them an answer to what to do, they were hypocrites in their heart because they had it in their heart. No matter what God said, they were going to do what they had planned. And they're on a detour straight to hell. Pray for us to the Lord our God. They're even using that word our God now. They were using a phrasing to Jeremiah as his God, but now it's our God. They're claiming God. I mean, they're claiming God. Does not that church in Washington, does it not claim God? It's called itself a church, so it claims God. Does not the church in North Carolina with a 20-foot slide, I call that blasphemy. And according to all that the Lord your God says, so declare to us, and we will what? Everybody give me those two little words. Do it. Woo, do it. You know how important those two little words are? Do it. God, I'm going to do it. Do it. I know where you've got me. I'm going to do it. Now, I'm going to tell you something. When God asked me to start this church after I was on my detour of sickness and everything else, I had many things I went through, and I'm still going through. He almost killed Vicky. I allowed that to happen. God didn't, but, but it fell off that horse. Almost allowed. I have to go through things. I preached a Sunday morning on Easter Sunday with hives all over me. But I said, I'll do it, and by God, I'm going to do it. Amen. We're going to do it. We're going to do it right to the best of my abilities. Pray for us, the Lord our God, and according to all that the Lord your God says, so declare to us and we will do it. Verse 21, it says, and I have this day declared it to you. So Jeremiah has declared exactly what God wants him to do. Now remember, they wanted to go on their own path back to Egypt where it was safe and secure. So they thought. What they didn't realize, that God that allowed Babylon, and he lifted Babylon up, he lifted Nebuchadnezzar up, he left, let him have that, that, that army that could destroy the whole world to take over nation after nation. God was allowing that to take place for this reason. What they forgot was God can send that army to Egypt too. For some reason, they just left that little detail out of their mindset. For some reason, they just figured out, we'll be safe in Egypt. Well, I thought God pulled you out of Egypt. It's Egypt is sin. Egypt is where you don't want to be. Egypt is someplace oh, you don't want to be. It's where the Christian never goes back to. Why would you return to what God pulled you out of? I don't care what your circumstances look like. I don't care how deep your marriage is in trouble or how deep your finances are in trouble or how sick you are. Why in the world would you go back to what God has pulled you out of? That's like, that's like taking grace and just throwing it against the wall and saying, I don't want your grace. Keep your mercy too. I'll trust my way. Fear. Oh, fear. Satan plays with your fear. He just takes and destroys you with your fear. 
And because your mindset and because you have a hypocritical heart, you're not going to listen to God. In 21 it says, it says here, and have this day declared to you, but you have not obeyed the voice of the Lord your God or anything which he has sent you by me. Look at that word, anything. Everybody say anything. Whew. Man, how much time I got? They're not a little bit defiant. They're a whole lot defiant. These are God's people. They've had Elijah and Moses and Abraham and Jacob and the 12 tribes and King David and Solomon. And they've had God himself, the tabernacle, the, the Ark of the Covenant. They've had it all for all these years. We've had the cross for 2,000 years. We've had the Bible written in so that we could enjoy it since, what, 1400s? 1437, I think. But yet they fail. Well, as we fail, and we go off on our own detours. Am I screaming too much today? Good. In Jeremiah 43, 2 and 4, we're going to see the outcome here. This is a... I'm not going to go for those names there. I'll, I'll butcher it. All these men and poured men spoke. And these are the men that came to Jeremiah in the beginning to ask Jeremiah to pray over him. They're coming back, and here they are. And you speak. Everybody say that word. You speak falsely. The man they gave all their hope to, to tell them the words that they wanted to hear. And when he gave him the truth, he waited, God waited 10 days to speak to Jeremiah. And when he gave him the truth, they come to him, they said, you speak falsely because you don't speak what I want to hear. And I've been criticized over and over and again for speaking about homosexuals, speaking about gay rights, speaking about that right and this right. Well, none of it's right. And all I want is for people to get it right and have a wonderful life with the Lord. That you can have a wonderful family. That we don't live in a world of turmoil and chaos. That we don't allow Satan to destroy what God's building. But yet I called hate and whatever else you want to call me. And the reality is that love is the strongest form of love. We are be held each other, hold each other accountable. It's accountability, not judgment. It's account. Everybody say accountability. 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 God gave it to us. He's going to have Jeremiah hold these people accountable. He has his people hold people accountable today. You speak falsely. The Lord our God has not sent you to say, do not go to Egypt to dwell there. Jerusalem is in complete disarray. It's going to be hard to stay there. Everything's tore up. There's no jobs. The, the, the livelihood, everything is gone. How are they going to eat? How is their children going to be educated? And what's going to keep Nebuchadnezzar from sending people back to destroy us even more? Well, wait a minute. These are, these are real questions. And these are the same questions that you, you ask yourself, how, how, how am I going to get past this? How can I count on God for the finances in my life? And I've heard people say, well, I've got to stay married, or, or I've got to do this, or I've got to do that, or I can't get married, or I've heard it all. Vicky's mom, many, many years ago, married a man because, not married, she didn't marry, she lived with a man because it was his money. You're right there on that page. You are right there on that page. You're telling God, I don't believe that you can do what you say, God. I don't believe that you can take care of me in this situation. Do you have any idea when you get right there how blessed you are? Because everything you need in life, God is going to deliver it. He's going to take you out of that equation. And he's going to put himself right there in the middle and say, now listen to me. 
If you'll watch me, I'll give you your food. I'll give you jobs. I'll give you everything you need. You think you don't need it, but you think you need to go somewhere else to get it? Stay here. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give you everything you need. But you've got to stay put, and you've got to trust me every single day. Because I want to tell you something, it's going to look really hard. It's going to look really tough in the beginning. It really is. But if you'll pay attention and you'll seek me and search me without a hypocritical heart, you're going to see me working in your life. You're going to be blessed every single day. You're going to worship and understand me more than you ever knew possible. Job went through this. Job went through it. He lost everything. He lost his children. One of the richest men in the world at the time, he lost everything but his wife. And his wife told him to go curse God and die. But yet he stood firm in the word and the truth of God. And God blessed him. And he got everything back, more kids, all the riches back in the end. Because he learned who God was and wanted to do in his life. What a blessed man he was. It didn't look pretty getting blessed, but he was blessed. David spent time out running from Saul, hiding in caves. It would take years before he became king. The apostle Paul, after his conversion, went off into the desert for three years and learned more about the word of God and got close to a relationship because he was against Jesus Christ. And now his conversion brought him towards Jesus Christ. And he wrote 13 books in the New Testament. Took him 11 years before he went on his first missionary journey because everybody was scared to death of him. They thought he was coming to get him. Because Paul would gather up the church at the time. They called it the way at the time. And he would imprison them and he'd kill some of them. He was a terrible man. But he ran face to face with Jesus Christ on that road to Damascus. Face to face with the truth. And he bowed his knees. And he found Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ found him. Amen. And his whole life was changed, and we preached the word of God through Paul and some of his writings, which came from God. People say, well, man wrote the Bible. Are you kidding me? Who do you think is that intelligent? Well, you just stand up there preaching. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You have not a clue of how God works. And you'll find yourself on the wrong detour and heading to a dead end. And it says here in verse 4, so John, Jonathan, whatever, Jonathan, I think is how you pronounce that, and Carrie, all the captains of the forces, these are all these people left in this ribbon, and all the people would not obey the voice of the Lord to remain in the, the land of Judah. They would not obey. They're heading back to Egypt. Brooke, come on up. They're heading to the destruction where they should not go. It says here, detours can and will lead to a valley of decision. Trust God or trust myself. This is my last verse for the day. In Joel 3.14 it says, multitudes, multitudes in a valley of decision. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. One day the world's going to end. Armageddon is going to happen. I was in this valley of decision and all of you have been in this valley of decision. Many of us are back in the valley of decision. We can't decide whether this is the right detour. We can't decide to, to pay attention to the road signs that God has given us. And we end up in the dead ends of life. When that was never the intention. Multitudes and multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. So that's where you come to that dead end. And you've got a choice to make. Are you just going to stay there? I mean, are you just going to stay there? Maybe your car can't make it any longer. Maybe you've decided, I'm going to get out of the car and walk. Oh, man, that's terrible. Why don't you just turn around and start praying and get back to where God's telling you to get? Find that first, that last or whatever it was, that detour sign you saw. You'll see it. It'll be on the other side of the road. It'll look kind of funny. Stop and look at that. Pay attention to the road signs and go where God's telling you to go. A lot of you sitting here that's never asked the Lord Jesus in your life before. You're not even sure what that means. 
It's called we repent of our sins. It's redemption. It means I'm heading this way. And Jesus says, you're in the valley of decision. Stop, Paul. And you stop. You start to realize, I can't live this way anymore. My family's, it's, it's complete chaos. I can't do it anymore. And you feel your heart, that, that, that God-centered heart. He's just pouring out by the Holy Spirit. And you feel it in you. He says, call out to me. Repent. Turn yourself around and head back to me. I'll take care of you every day of your life. You don't have to worry about the detours. I'm going to send you on a few. But guess what? I was with Elijah on his and I'll be with, I'll be with you on yours. Amen? And you start to pay attention to God. You start to have this relationship not with somebody that's far distant, but with somebody that's right here with you because the Word of God is right there with me. I can listen to preachers. I can listen to teachers. I can go back and read the, the great Charles Spurgeon. I can go back and read some great men in the past. And I can fall in love all over again. I can list the beautiful people up here and just melt. And all you got to do is pay attention to God. Repent. Surrender. Don't be in a hurry while on your detour. If you're on a detour from God, don't be in a hurry. I mean, pay attention to every road sign, every detail that's around you, everything, every person that comes into your life, every situation that, that unfolds, pay attention to that because those are the things that God uses to show us who he is. God has put so many people in life, some of them lost people, some of them good preachers and good teachers and good wonderful people to help me on my detours. And if I'm not paying attention to that, I'm not going to make it to the end where I can come back and get where God wants me to be. I'm going to forget all the road signs. Don't be in a hurry while on your detour with God and find yourself, and you'll find yourself in another dead end if you do. Let's stand. I open up the tables for you this morning. If you're a, if you're a, a believer of Jesus Christ, I mean, not, not just in your mind, but in your heart. You're welcome with these tables. Some of you need to get baptized. Some of you need to get off that detour that you've been on for too long. And you need to get on the right road with God. Amen? I know I preach and teach hard, and I know I say things that really hurt people sometimes, but I do it from the bottom of my heart. And if I preach something that's not true, I can guarantee you it was an accident. But usually I won't because I double-check and triple-check everything. You may not like what I say. You may not like the way I say it. But I'm giving it to you the way God gave it to me. Love everyone. Love them with great passion, but don't love them to hell. You hold the word of God up, and you allow God to work in their lives. Don't you compromise with anybody. Because you'll answer to God for it. You know, I preach hard and deep. So that means you're held accountable hard and deep. You need to pay attention to that. What you hear, you'll be held accountable for it. Go out. Go out. Live life in a beautiful way. Because when you're living with Jesus, it's, that's all it can be is beautiful. Amen? Live life. Enjoy your families. Enjoy the word of God. If you're on a detour of yourself, you need to work it out right here at the altar. I can't change your life. All I can do is give you the words of truth. You've got to work these things out with God himself. I can guide you. and There's other people in this church that can help you and pray with you. But you have got to make the decision. 
Because you're in the valley of decision. Where you're going. Where you're going. Now you can do that today. And I'm telling you, God will be there right there with you. He loved those people. He loved them. But he also allowed them to go to Egypt. And he warned them that if they went to Egypt, everything they feared, the sword, the famine, everything they feared by staying there would happen to them. And not one of them would make it out alive. He warned them. He told them, if you go, you're going to die. And that's going to be a terrible death. Hell's waiting on you. But if you'll follow me and make the decision to repent and surrender, glory is coming. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come before you this morning, Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the love of it. Lord, Father, I ask you to bless these people. For those that are struggling in their life and they're on one detour after another, Lord. They've come up to so many dead ends and they just can't seem to, to find the right path, Father. Lord, you've brought them here today to, to have a valley of decision. I'm asking you, Lord, to overpower them with the Holy Spirit. To help them through it. That they may pick up that cross and pick up the Word of God and live according to it. And it's in Jesus' name that everyone said, Amen. You're welcome with these tables. If you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, come enjoy the Lord today. If you need prayer, we'll be here for you.